Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 63. Today we're going to do the news as always, then do the Champions League review, that is Juve versus Monaco, and of course finish up with some Europa League chat. That's Manchester United and versus Celta Vigo, and of course Lyon versus Ajax. Will a returning Lacazette give Lyon enough to get through to the Europa League final? Well, we'll see on Thursday night. But anyway, let's do the news first. So, first up, a little bit of news. The 2019 Copa America may include Portugal, Spain, Japan, China, Mexico, and the USA. That's quite an interesting one. Could be quite an interesting tournament. You're throwing those other sides in there. Um, already in this expanding tournament that did include the, the CONCAF sides and obviously America um, in the centenary Copa America. So, it's quite an interesting one to see. You know, they're becoming a little bit competitive with the World Cup, you'd say. Anyway, in other news, uh, Harry Redknapp has taken the Birmingham City job for next season, which could be quite interest- interesting. Uh, Nico Kronkia probably going to be round his phone waiting for that call, similar to players like, obviously, see Peter Crouch, um, Benoasso Okoto as well, ready to move to Birmingham. The commute, which the Football Ramble tweeted out, it's quite funny, I found on Twitter today, is around three hours from uh, Bournemouth, near where my parents live, to, of course, uh, the Birmingham training ground, south of the city of Birmingham. In other news, FIFA um, are investigating the Paul Pogba transfer to Manchester United, um, according to reports yesterday, which is an interesting one with Mina Raiola, what we spoke about yesterday, pocketing around £41 million. FIFA have dived in and are looking into whether there's some foul play on his behalf, and he could be banned for football. Um, apparently, he was Ill- illegally employed by Juventus, Manchester United and Paul Pogba. So maybe there will be a transfer ban as well, coming from Juve and Manchester United, and of course, uh, Mina Raiola getting banned for life which again couldn't be, could be a good thing um, with uh, how he acts around football and obviously the agents getting so much money in this day and age it's absolutely mental super agents for me need to be pushed out of the game and another other news uh, over to Inter Milan Stefan Pioli has been fired which is an interesting one I was very very impressed with Inter Milan when I watched them around uh, January uh, February around that sort of time they were very high octane they were very German they counter attacked very well even Benega was pulling the strings Akali was scoring Perisic was fantastic Kondogbia and Gagli 
Chiellini were fantastic at defensive midfield. It's an interesting one, though. Their form has really fallen off in recent weeks. And with the Sun and Group buying into Milan, a high-pressure situation, it looks like they want um, a real high-quality coach. They've been linked with Conte. They've been linked with um, Diego Simeone, who's also always mentioned that he wants to maybe move back um, and manage into Milan after playing there um, in part of his career. So that could be a really interesting move, uh, bringing that intensity to Serie A. Diego Simeone with the Cardi up front, that would be pretty disgusting. I think there'd be players in there that would suit Diego Simeone's style, the likes of Ivo Benega, playing as sort of a wide forward, you see him playing like the, the Koke role in a way. But should he leave Atletico? I'm not too sure. Maybe this is as far as he's going. You know, this is this next tactical stage of teaching this Atletico team to really attack teams well and attack teams wide that he hasn't quite got down. You know, teams that when Atletico need to score goals, they just look at short of ideas this season and they kind of moved to that 4-3-3 and it looked very, very good. Um, but they've kind of gone away from that, which is a bit of a weird one from Simeone. Um, so maybe it's time for him to move on to Inter Milan, you know, the likes of Gabriel Barbosa could be a very good option over there. So it's going to, you know, it's going to be a very interesting season for Inter Milan with all their money. They want to become uh, competitive against, um, of course, Juventus. You know, players like Crandreva would fit, fit absolutely perfect in the Simeone side. You know, you know, an old school sort of David Beckham-esque forward in a way, crossing the ball from those wide areas. But anyway, moving away from uh, Italy, let's go to Germany. We're having Martinez. Apparently, he's broken his left collarbone in a hiking accident and we'll miss the rest of the season Jesus have you you just check your contract if that's allowed hiking that sounds a little bit too dangerous breaking a collarbone but very very painful apparently the collarbone the, collarbone, the most painful bone to break in the body so I expect him to be um, you know maybe back some point next season but again he's had a real injury hit time at the moment um, for the past like three years he just seems to have not been fit but anyway let's move on to the big talking point of today and that is the Champions League review Juventus versus Monaco well, the game finished 2-1 to Juventus, Mbappe scoring a consolation goal for Monaco, uh, but Mandzukic and Dani Alves, who starred in the game, both of those players, for Juventus. So Juve are reaching their ninth uh, either European Cup or Champions League final, which is only bettered by three sides. That is, of course, Real Madrid, AC Milan and Bayern Munich. But anyway, let's talk about the game and Yardim's tactical surprise. So Yardim has played a 4-4-2 this season with two wide forwards coming in to be playmakers, a lot of overlapping from the, the wing-backs, two holding midfielders and two strikers. In fact, he changed it up to, uh, to sort of tactically try and give Juventus something else to think about. And they went with a 3-4-1-2. With Bernardo Silva just sitting behind Falcao and Mbappe, Sidibe uh, and Mendy as the sort of wing-backs, which made sense. Um, you know, created a 3v2 at the back against Juventus's 4-4-2, which meaning that... Um, Monaco could dominate the possession and uh, play out. They also had an overload in central midfield there. Three players, Bernardo Silva ahead of um, both Bakayoko and Jao Moutinho, creating that 3v2 on um, you know, Pjanic and Marquisio, but earlier it was Kadira before his injury. So that all made sense, and tactically it gave, um, you know, it gave them a lot of the ball, Monaco, but they obviously had that overload out wide, Juventus did, which they exploited massively, but we'll talk about them a little bit further on. In terms of the number 10, Bernardo Silva, all the creative energy was on him, and unfortunately his passing just wasn't penetrative enough, it was far too square, which led to Monaco creating a very poor quality of chance. In the game, they, they put 25 crosses into the Juventus box, both in open play and out of open play. They failed to hit their target in open play and only completed one of their uh, corners, which is pretty poor, a damning statistic, only completing one out of their 25 crosses. And it was a little bit silly that they were crossing from so deep, especially Mendy, who 
um, every time he received the ball on the left-hand side, seemed to look to try and pick out Falcao or Mbappe in the penalty area, which has been a decent strategy this season, raining these crosses. But against Juventus, against a team that is so good at dealing with these balls into the box, when they've got Barzagli, Chiellini, and of course uh, Benucci in there, seemed like they needed to do a little bit more. They need to be a little bit more clever with their passing. Bernardo Silva needed to be a little bit more forward in that final third. You know, if he could pick the ball behind, up behind the likes of Pjanic and Marquisio uh, with Mbappe and Falcao ahead of him, that could have been a good um, you know, opportunity to do that. But of course, Monaco do play a little bit wide and uh, with the, you know, the very deep shape of Juventus, it cut that space out. But again, Mende could have potentially forced the issue. I think on one occasion he did uh, beat his man, beat Alves and then put a really good ball into the box that was cleared by Bonucci. But it was only on that one occasion. There were too many times they were hitting the ball into the box. Maybe they did miss their two playmaker system. Um, Lamar was massively missed on that left wing. Um, and maybe if that they did go to that traditional style they played this season, it would have been a little bit better because they did create, create some issues uh, for Juventus, especially in the first 15 minutes of the first leg. Um, and it was just a little bit too flat in the final third for Monaco and they didn't do enough on the ball. Too basic with their decision making. Didn't get the ball enough to Mbappe as well. Again, he looked very, very fresh when he received the ball in that classic position in between the fullback and the centre-back. Again, credit to Allegri for going with Barzagli at right back to give them a little bit more defensive cover in that area. But he did look fresh, Mbappe. Um, did look good when he was on the ball. And it was kind of that problem with Monaco. They were crossing from too deep. They weren't getting Mbappe the ball. Silva wasn't receiving the ball in between the lines and it was just a classic, brilliant uh, Allegri performance for nullifying all that threat. In terms of Juventus' defence this season, that's the reason why they're in the Champions League final. It's been absolutely fantastic. Buffon's kept more clean sheets than any other goalkeeper. He's on eight, um, ahead of Oblak on six and Schmeichel on five in the top three. In terms of the defensive stats that you want to look at, again, I mentioned the crossing stat where they only completed one out of their 25 crosses, Monaco, that is against Juventus. Uh, Monaco only had three shots inside the penalty area, which is pretty incredible defensive play from Juve. Juve also won 83% of their aerial duels in the game. That sounds absolutely massive, but if we flip that, the converse of that, obviously, is Monaco have only won only won 17% of their aerial duels in the game, which really shows how dominant Juve were um, in an aerial sense. And again, going back to the why they were crossing the ball into the box so many times it was quite interesting but Juve's defence wasn't just their defence it was the overall structure and team shape this 4-4-2 that quite frankly is, is bamboozling uh, the guys that set out the formations you know uh, the two channels that I saw are on BT Sport an American channel I think it's called FSN or something both laid uh, Juve out in a sort of 3-4-3 but it, it 100% wasn't it was a 4-4-2 flat four at the back with um, Alexandro being the left back Barzagli right back the two centre-halves Chiellini and Benucci with a four ahead of Alves on that right hand side Mario Manzu on the left-hand side and then the midfield of you know at the end of the game or the middle of the game was Pjanic and Marquisio but started off as Pjanic and Kidera with the two strikers I understand where they the convert fusion of um, you know the, the tactics how it was set up by the um, the guys on, on TV you know you see Mario Mandzukic he plays a very unorthodox role on that right-hand side defensively absolutely perfect drops back um, makes that band of four but the really important thing with Mandzukic against Monaco is the amount of interceptions that he made. He made more than any other player on the pitch. Five, in fact. And it's that positioning in defence to you know just sit back, understand what you've got to do in the system, understand your positioning, protect your fullback, drop back to sort of a you know a left wing back position, um, and cover the play. Make sure that you know if they do get a you know a two v 
you know, one of their players does push out wide, you do create that 2v1 in defensive sense. And that was sort of the advantage that you, they had in their shape versus the Monaco 3-4-2-1. You think of a 4-4-2, has strength out wide, has those two players. And that's exactly what you, they were doing in a defensive sense. Doubling up on, you know, on Mendy, on Sidibu and then in those wide areas. Danny Alves on that other side as well. Drop back to a right back position, uh, or a right wing back position, should I say, ahead of his right back a number of times. And the, the 4-4-2 was just absolutely perfect. But again, they had that attacking intent on the counter attack. It's something I mentioned about the Manchester United system that was so poor against Arsenal is they didn't have any attacking intent in that middle. What you they have, Dybala and Gonzalo Higuain, uh, to combine, to create, to, um, you know, give them that out ball and that's what United lacked against Arsenal but of course Mario Mandzukic not only played so well as a defensive forward used himself so well when getting into the striker positions and of course that goal where he was on the back post a classic target man manoeuvre he's doing that from the left wing he's, a, he's sort of a target man uh, forward in a way the first sort of real target man forward we've seen we've seen Gareth Bale and Ronaldo have aspects of that sort of game have been a target man out wide doing you know, the balls to the back post jumping over the, the fullback but we've never actually seen a player do it and I think this is the first time Mario Mandzukic his game by numbers against Monaco was fantastic. One goal, two key passes, three tackles, five shots, five interceptions, and he won nine aerial duels. Absolutely incredible performance from Mario Mandzukic. But in terms of the counter-attack, Juventus was so deadly on the counter-attack. I think in the first the first half they created three chances that were on the counter-attack that didn't result in goals the Mandzukic was clean through and a brilliant save from Subasic the Gonzalo Higuain chance where he went for the chip and of course Pjanic who played a 2-1 a 1-2 with Dybala was clean through and then didn't score but the amount of chances that they created from being deep and then transitioning through the game was absolutely fantastic and their first goal is my favourite goal of the season Gigi Buffon, um, you know, collecting a, a corner, rolling out at Sandro. Sandro pretty much tearing up the whole left wing, transitioning from, the, you know, being a left back position to being on the left wing. A lovely switch of play, loads of patience in the switch of play. Uh, Pjanic to Danny Alves, Danny Alves with a cracking ball, and then the, the sort of, you know, the, the mismatch on that back post. Raggy's positioning was a little bit dodgy, something Monaco should have worked on if they knew that, you know, they did know that Mandzukic was going to play there. They have to have known that he was going to make these late runs, and Raggy not really picking him up was a little bit poor but credit to Mario Mandzukic for getting there um, Mandzukic as well a great work rate from his own penalty area to the opposition's penalty area getting there getting there you know putting that work in after defending the corner on the near post defending the free kick on the near post then defending the second corner then Juventus broke they defended three set pieces and then they broke that's what's been so brilliant about this Juve team they're so good at handling pressure they're absolutely perfect but credit to Mario Mandzukic again for getting on the back post and, and doing what he needs to do for his team a perfect team play think of the impact he had in the Bayern Munich team that won the Champions League in 2013 the Jupp Heckens team was fantastic played ahead of um Thomas Muller through that season with Ribery Robin being the sort of the flair players uh, with a midfield base of Javi Martinez and Schweinsteiger. But Mario Mandzukic started the press and allowed them to counter-attack so well because he could nick it high up the pitch. And it's interesting that after leaving Bayern Munich, moving to Atletico Madrid and Simeone letting him go, you know, potential personality clash there. It seems like the perfect player for Simeone. You know, the relationship between Griezmann and, and Mario Mandzukic was ridiculous. It was so good was so good you know, Atletico going long out the back long ball to Mandzukic Mandzukic will win the flick on uh, Antoine Griezmann clean for on goal you know coming from deep being this second striker getting ahead of the play what's quite interesting as well when I look back at the sides that played that Champions League final Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich it's quite interesting tactically how they set up both playing a, a back four with very attacking um, wing backs in a way or, or full backs you know Smelter and uh, Piszczek for Dortmund and uh, Alaba and Lahm for Bayern Munich they got very very high they got uh, you know involved in the, the play then you think of 
their midfield pairing, uh, deep in midfield, Sven Bender, uh, Javi Martinez for Bayern and Dortmund, both sort of defensive, uh, destructive uh, central midfielders, combined with Gundogan and Schweinsteiger, two playmakers. And then the three behind uh, two very you know target men, S4s, Lewandowski and uh, Mario Mandzukic, of two creative players, or, or one winger, uh, Blaszczykowski for Dortmund, um, you'd say Ribery, for Bayern, and on the other side, sort of an inside forward, Iron Robin, Kevin Grosskreutz, and then a sort of second striker, Marco Royce or Thomas Muller, behind that striker. So it's quite interesting how tactics are, are still there, and that's kind of, I think that at the moment, that's probably my favourite tactical setup at the moment, sort of a, a 4 2 3 1, playmaker deep in midfield, you know, your, your number 10 that's actually a goal scorer, a target man, and two very creative forwards with attacking um, play from the wing back. So it's quite interesting to go back and look at that Bayern Munich team. Sorry, we've got a massive tangent, but that was one of the best counter attack teams we've ever seen in European football Jupp Hekins is Bayern Munich what a fantastic side but again back to Mario Mandzukic what a performance absolutely fantastic he's done that for Juve for the whole season played this defensive role on this left wing it sort of came around I think maybe around December time when um, Allegri did switch to this 4-2-3-1 and attack the 4-4-2 in defence but since then it's been fantastic and people still can't deal with it you know, commentators can't deal with this movement, which is which obviously throws this massive uh, problem at the opposition. If commentary teams and analysis guys in the media can't see what's happening, imagine what you're doing when you're facing these guys up and saying, you know, in defence they're going to play like this, in attack they're going to play like this. In the first leg, they did look like they played a three-five-two uh, when they had the ball, but this was very much a four-two-three-one when they had the ball. Again, transitioning to that four-four-two that's been so so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase followed for them but anyway we've got to talk about the other big impact from um, a Juve player and that is Danny Alves you know I put the ball in for the first goal um, the fantastic ball probably did deserve the assist obviously not ruled out for the assist because the keeper made the save and it came back and then Mandzukic turned it in but of course the goal as well the goal that he scored it kind of opens that question up to uh, should Subasic have caught that ball instead of punching it 100% yes the continental goalkeeper thing of punching the ball to clear his area yes he cleared his area but if you've got players of the technical quality of Danny Alves that can hit it from that angle, 
Should you be doing that? Should you be catching that ball? Subasic had a fantastic game. You know, go back to the the chances that I, that I mentioned before, the Mandzukic uh, one-on-one, the Iguain one-on-one, and the Pjanic one-on-one. Every single time Subasic either came up or was in a good position and one of his defenders came in, Raggy made a great block on the, the Pjanic chance. But it was the wrong option there. A stupid punch out, and a fantastic technique from David Dani Alves on the volley to fire it straight home. But in the game, he was fantastic. Arguably could have got a hatchet assist, played a cracking through pass to Gonzalo Iguain, who, who put the ball in the back of the net, but was just off side. Another time he hustled the ball in, in midfield, played a through ball, ball to um, Dybala and again Subasic was uh, the guy uh, making making the big, big play there but it was a fantastic display and we're seeing Daniel Alves a little bit higher up the pitch. You know, when, when fullbacks do get a little bit older, the good attacking fullbacks, they don't have that recovery and that's kind of the problem, the recovery from an attacking sense to the defensive sense, that transition where they used to be able to have um, when they had their legs, when they were like, you know, the peak of their career, the, the fitness was there, they used to be able to get up the pitch, attack, then defend Unfortunately, as they get older, they can't do that. So it's, it's a masterstroke from Allegri to play a player that's technically is so good, so good at crossing, so good at um, you know making the right decision in the final third. That's what his strength was at, at Barcelona was making the right decision in the final third and usually getting that assist. Sort of what we're seeing as Marcelo now at. Uh, Real Madrid is what Dani Alves used to be for Barcelona that attacking threat from uh, the fullback position arguably maybe Marcelo should be pushed forward as he gets through the latter stage of his career what is he 28 now so he's got another 2-3 to three years at the top level but when it comes to 32-33 maybe Juve pick him up and play him at left midfield and go on to win another Champions League but also in a defensive sense a cracking job mentioned the, the role of the two wide players in the 4-4-2 dropping back into almost wing back positions to cover their fullback Dani Alves did it so well I loved how he was physically imposive on on Mbappe as well the challenge that he put in on Mbappe um, inside 20 minutes Mbappe had a real good fifth, first 15 minutes and it seems when you do get physical with these young players we saw City did that against against uh, Marcus Rashford in the derby but if you put these big tackles on the fair tackles though it was a fair tackle from Danny Elvis he won the ball but he left a little bit in and I think it kind of like knocks Mbappe's confidence and it's quite interesting to to, to see that these young players, if you do put a hard challenge in them, they do lose their confidence a little bit. And that's something Mbappe needs to learn and, and build on. But in the game, Dani Alves, fantastic. Won six out of his nine tackles, the most on any player on the pitch. And of course, in the Champions League, has created more chance than any other player. Arguably could have had three assist, uh, assists against uh, Monaco. And he becomes the, it's the 14th final that he'll be um, contesting in Cardiff um, since 2006, which is more than any other player at any other club in Europe, which is absolutely cracking. Moving on to the last little bit we'll talk about Juve before we talk about Mbappe of course we're going to talk about him because he's absolutely sick of football uh, is Bernucci and Chiellini who for me are the best centre-back pairing on the planet I think the best centre-back is Sergio Ramos the best pairing is Bernucci and Chiellini they've got it all the pure defender in Chiellini you think of the big plays he made the celebrations he made after that's what I love about Chiellini I love about Juventus is when they make a big defensive play they almost celebrate it as much as a goal and it shows their unity it shows their desire to defend you know you think about the uh, the interception the really key point of the game Juve have scored their first goal um, and then I think Mendy gets back Mendy does the first time Mendy does something really good, beats Alves, doesn't cross from deep, gets into a good area, puts the ball across. Falcao literally is just about to turn the ball in. Out of nowhere comes Chiellini, slides in, intercepts the ball and celebrates it like he scored a goal. But that was so key because Juve defend another three plays, like I mentioned before, then they go on the other end and they score. A massive thing, almost like a one-on-one save, almost like a penalty save. That's how important that interception was. It was brilliant. And he made you know a few other things, a few um, other brilliant headers that he cleared the ball with, but he is a, a pure defender, a pure brilliant defender. In terms of Benucci as well, the ball player, fantastic. I loved how he, uh, I think there was a moment in the game where he picked the ball up on his own byline, just so calm, played out from that situation. It's brilliant. It shows what Juve do. They don't need to go long. They have that ability to play out from the back. It's 
composure is absolutely insane. And it's that perfect combo of a ball player and Chiellini's pure defensive ability. In fact, after this game, Juve now have overtaken AC Milan's unbeaten run of 641 minutes for an Italian side in the Champions League. Incredible stuff from Allegri and incredible stuff from Juve. In terms of Mbappe, what is next for the young forward? Again, what a fantastic season he has had. He's played 2,370 minutes, been directly involved in a goal every 70 minutes. Every 70 minutes. That's like Lionel Messi standard. Scoring 25 goals and getting 9 assists, he's got to be the golden boy for me this season. In terms of the game, he's, he's became the first player to score in open play against Juventus this season with a fantastic you know, fantastic movement in the penalty area, being aware of uh, Mutino getting down the line, pulling it across and then him side-footing it home. But fantastic, absolutely fantastic performance. Very lively again, but again, that little thing that he can work on, if someone puts a big hit on him, he has to be able to take it. He has to be able to get up and go again. Get up and pressurise him. Get up and get in his face. You think of what Carlos Seves used to do so well for United. You know, if anyone knocked him down bang he's back in your face that's the characteristic that I'd like Mbappe to pick up is that determination that desire once someone's put him down on his ass, get back up get in their face pressurise them put it, put a challenge back on them have a little bit of aggression get into a little bit of a battle with him and then of course you know when the defender thinks he's in a battle physically with Mbappe use his pace use his skills pull him out wide absolutely rinse him we saw his technical ability again his ability to um, not just be you know not just do a trick for the sake of it you know do a trick to open himself up to open a pass up you know, did it a few times in central when he picked it up centrally a little bit of skill opened himself up played the ball out to Mendy uh, on that left hand side and he just shows such maturity and the best young player in world football with Marcus Rashford right now he's, he's caught up to him in recent weeks for me Marcus Rashford has really showed some big impact at United but Mbappe in the Champions League this season what a, what a player he's been six goals in the knockout stages only Ronaldo scored more absolutely incredible golden boy fantastic signing but what should he do he's got to stay at Monaco for me to continue his development I'd stay at Monaco till he's 21 why not if Yardim stays you got Mbappe you got you know a star in the making Falcao the perfect place for him and what a performance against Juve let's move on to the uh, Europa League preview first up we're going to talk Manchester United versus Celta Vigo so the first thing I think we've got to touch on is the nerves that hopefully won't be shown at Old Trafford. I went to the Rostov game in the Europa League, you know, whatever round it was, the sixth round of 16 or the round of 32. You know, it's been a long tournament um, and there's a lot of nerves around the ground and it sort of pushed on to the players. This is a game where United fans need to not be nervous. They need to be confident. We score the first goal, as a United fan obviously talking from, we will go on to win this game and the atmosphere needs to be up. The atmosphere needs to be behind the players, it needs to be forcing them forward. This is a type of game where the fans can become the 12th man. And it needs to happen. So if you're going to the game on Thursday night, really get yourself up for it. Unfortunately, I've, you know, at the moment, money wise, I don't think I'll be able to get up to the game for Manchester. It's just too expensive. It's like 80 quid on the train plus the match ticket. That's 150 quid as someone that's just started up his own business at the moment. It's just a little bit far fetched. Um, but I'd love to go up. I'd love to have gone um, to this game because for me, it's a massive game. It's the United's biggest game since the days of Sir Alex Ferguson. And that's how big it is. It's so big. Such a, you know, a trophy getting to the Europa League final. It's a cracking achievement. It'll push these players on. They win this, they win this thing. You know, the likes of Rashford, the likes of, um, you know, Eric Bailly, the likes of Paul Pogba. This is a great momentum builder for their career. And it's, it's a massive game for United, obviously, for the Champions League. But nerves? No. Confidence? Yes. Let's go into this game thinking we're going to win it. Let's go into this game high octane. Pressing from the start, getting the ball to the attackers, switching it from side to side, playing the old way that United used to do at home when they were absolutely muller teams. Mourinho needs to evolve his attacking intent. I have said this before. He needs to potentially go to a 4-4-2 or potentially just move the Louvangel play 
their central midfielders on and see if we get something else. We need to move the ball a lot quicker from side to side. That's what I want to see. High octane pressing. We beat Feyenoord, we beat Fenerbahce in a similar way at home. We set off against Rostov and it was very, very nervy. We set off against Anderlecht, it was very, very nervy. Let's cut the nerves out. Let's get in their faces. Let's start with intensity. That's exactly what I'd be saying if I was Jose Mourinho. Intensity. Beyond that touchline, first 15 minutes, we play like it, you know, our lives depend on it. Intensity, fire, passion, everything like that. I'm not, too, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be nervous in the game. I will be, I'm always nervous in these big games for Manchester United. But as well, it's the confidence that the players need to instill, the crowd and the crowd need to instill in the players. It's a two-way thing and it's a big, big thing for anyone going to Manchester United. Moving on to the second point of discussion, should Tuanzebe start against Celta Vigo after his fantastic performance against Arsenal? Again, against Arsenal was brilliant. Defensive fullback, man marked Alex, Alexis Sanchez out of the game, was just absolutely brilliant. There's a future star for Manchester United. Whether I play him against Celta Vigo right now, probably not. Whether I bring him on the bench, probably yes. If United need to see the game out, go to three centre-backs, bring on uh, two and Zabie. Bring him on. Absolutely, 100% of the time. Get that lad on. He's shown that he's got confidence. He's shown that he's got ability. Shown that he's composed. Get in the game time. I want to see him playing every single time uh, for the rest of the season in the Premier League for Manchester United especially. Um, maybe not in the Europa League final again. I'd go definitely go with Blinden Bay at the moment. But if United need to bring on a centre-back, do what Allegri does so well. Go to that back five. Why not? We've done it before. We looked very comf- comf- comfortable against Rostov after we took that lead and we went back to that back five. Rostov couldn't do anything. United need to be able to be adaptable and need to be able to adapt. That's what we're seeing in the top level of football right now is adaptability. And I want to see Mourinho do that. If United take a lead, get two and Zabi on. Get him on. Go to a five at the back, go to a three four three like Chelsea have played that drops to a five four one. Just looked at them on the break. Because when we've played that system, we've looked good. Middlesbrough, you think, um, Rostov I mentioned, how good United have looked on that break. Mikatarian, obviously um, whoever's gonna play on the other side, be it probably Jesslingard, I hope. Um, and of course Rashford, that's a potent front three if we can get the lead. Then we sit back, then we contain, and then we go again. You know what I mean? That's exactly what United need to do. So onto my team, I'd go with David De Gea in goal, Valencia, Bay, Blind, Damian as the back four. I think Bay and Blind have been fantastic. I love Daily Blind at centre half. I, I just wish he was a few feet taller. I wish he was a little bit taller. You know what I mean? I just think he, he, if he had that little bit of height, he could give the aggression and he'd be the best, one of the best centre backs in world football. I think that's the only thing he lacks a little bit of height, a little bit of raw pace. But he's been fantastic recent weeks, so good at reading the game. And, and I argue, you know, Mourinho, maybe if at the start of the season it had put Bay with Blind together, maybe they'd been first choice. Could have been quite interesting because he's been fantastic. And also, he also gives you his asset out the back. You know, United's possession play is better when Blind is at centre back. He's better at bringing the ball out, better at playing forward. Then you're going to get the Anderlecht goal um, that Marcus Rashford scored at home. A long ball out the back for from Daly Blind to Marouane Flaney, flipped down, goal time. That's exactly what I want to see. Blind firing it to Marouane Flaney, because that's how we caught Celta Vigo out in that first leg, is those direct balls to Marouane Flaney. Into my midfield, of course, it's going to be Herrera, Pogba at the base, the three behind Marcus Rashford, Jess Lingard, Marouane Flaney and Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan um, has been in very good form in the Europa League. You know, Only Fakir and Lacazette have scored more goals in the knockout stages this season. Um, I want to see Pogba getting on the ball. was fantastic in that first leg, completed those five out of the five dribbles um, in terms of Europa League no midfielders completed more dribbles than him so there's a lot of pro- there's a lot of promise in this United team if they can get it the right way in terms of Celta Vigo players that worry obviously Sistu um, if Aspas turns up I didn't think he played very well in that first leg but if he t- turns up he showed quality this season uh, Gudetti through the middle as well um, was marshalled quite well by the United centre-backs one thing that would do you know looking at their game at the weekend they lost 3-0 to Malaga uh, Sandro Ramirez uh, Barcelona graduate had an absolutely wonderful game could have scored a hat-trick um, only managed to grab one goal but he caused um, their back to a lot of problems with his direct dribbling and his ability on the ball very good at receiving the ball and doing 
doing a little bit of skill, similar to Marcus Rashford, quite similar to his his direct style and how he um, he did a he did a cross turn as well in the penalty area to open himself up like Rashford did against Anderlecht, quite similar. And I, I question what Barcelona are doing, letting someone like Sandro Ramirez go, um, because he suit that he suits their team a hell of a lot more than Paco Alcantara. I like Paco Alcantara as a number nine, but they got Luis Suarez as a number nine. What Sandro could have done this season is come on in these different positions, and he showed he's shown this season that he can score goals. Scored fourteen goals in twenty nine games this season. But anyway, going back to the the weaknesses of this Malaga, uh, this Celta Vigo defense. Sorry, it's pace, it's power, it's everything. There's weakness to be exposed. United need to start so fast, so so fast. I would love United to bit win this four 0 That'd be massively for the final for next season. But I think it's going to be scrappy. It's going to be a one one. United are going to win two one like and it's going to be stressful. Oh, no, I'm not looking forward to it. In terms of the other tie, of course, uh, Lyon at home against Ajax. Ajax taking a commanding lead. That performance from Ajax in that first leg was one of the best I've seen in a while. So good from pressing from the front. The front three, so young, so exuberant. Um, supplied by Zajacek. Absolutely fantastic You know, combination. Three assists, he, he registered. Uh, but what Lacazette will bring to this Leon team is massive. You don't understand how important he's been. He's obviously their top scorer, what, 30 goals in all competitions this season. He's the X factor. If they can get a first goal, you know, if they can build some momentum again, it's all about building momentum when you're, when you're down uh, in a tie like this. It's being solid, not opening yourself too much on the counter-attack, but being controlled, scoring that first goal and allowing the momentum to build. I could honestly see Leon coming back here. really can. I'm going to go with 3-0 to Leon. They're going to win it on away goals. They're going to go through on away goals. 4-4 on aggregate, Leon to go through. You heard it here first. Unfortunately, the lovely dream of Ajax with Justin Cliver getting to that final, winning a final. For me, with Lacazette back, if he's fit, if he's fresh, it's going to be some goal time. But that'll be Manchester United versus Lyon in the final, which will be a cracking game. Uh, but anyway, guys, that's been that for the Satman Day Football Podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. A lot of talk about Juve and how good they've been this season. Obviously, tonight we're going to be seeing another another brilliant game of football, Real Madrid versus Atletico. I can't wait for that. And of course, the Europa League on Thursday. But anyway, guys, see you later. Over and out. It's been fantastic. Once again, I've enjoyed to do this. Hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 